Welcome to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez, the podcast that offers practical advice and tips on how to run and grow your small business. The How of Business helps aspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners achieve their definition of success and overcome challenges that get in their way. This podcast series focuses on the everyday common business issues, challenges, and opportunities that face the small business owner. So here now are your hosts of The How of Business, David and Henry. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and I have with me today a special guest, Kathleen Gage. Kathleen, did I pronounce your last name correctly? You did. Very well. Well, great. Welcome to the show. Let me uh, share with you a background briefly here on Kathleen, and I'll have her add to it. Uh, Kathleen is an online marketing strategist, a speaker, an author, a product creation specialist, and the owner of Power Up for Profits. She helps entrepreneurs make money online. Uh, although Kathleen is recognized as a top leader in her field, this wasn't always the case. She made some choices in her teens and her early 20s that took her from a comfortable middle-class upbringing to a life of homelessness and being unemployable. So we'll dive into that a little bit, I hope. Uh, but she rose above it, seemingly unsurmountable odds she overcame to become an award-winning business owner, a best-selling author, an internet sales and marketing trainer, and an award-winning keynote speaker, as I mentioned. When she's not working, she can be found training for a marathon, walking her dogs, working her many flower gardens, feeding her horses, or playing a fierce game of cards. And we were just chatting before we started recording that you're in Eugene, Oregon, correct? Well, I'm right outside of Eugene. It's a small farming community that is just southeast of Eugene. Fantastic. Well, Kathleen, welcome to the show. And please add anything I've missed there on your bio and what you're up to these days. You know, uh, you, you were pretty thorough there, Henry, and uh, glad to be here. Well, welcome. Um, so let's get right into it. Tell us about that early journey in life and leading up to did you start uh, in the corporate world? Take us back to that time in your life. Wow, that you know that's going back quite a ways because uh, just hit 62, and uh, you know I look back at my life uh, 30, 40 years ago, and it's so different than it is today. And and really, what it was, Henry, is I just made poor choices. Um, I had good parents and uh, was raised in a in a really good home, and I, you know it wasn't Leave It to Beaver, but it was a home where there was a lot of love. There was definitely. Um, uh, rules and regulations that we had to follow. My dad was in the military uh, when I was a, a child. And so he, you know, he brought that, uh, that whole process to the, the way that he parented his children. And what I did is I just started going on a wayward path. I started in my teens and then into my 20s and made some very poor choices around drugs and alcohol. I've been sober for 32 years now. And, uh, you know, I can, I can see a direct correlation to uh, the choices that I made around drugs and alcohol to where I ended up in life. It was really that simple. And then when I finally started getting my life together, I was fortunate enough to get some mentors that really... Uh, in many ways were tough love type people. And they basically said, you need to get your act together and you need to change the path you're on or your life will not change. And honestly, the very first job that I got when I started getting my life together, I was digging ditches, literally digging ditches. And I can remember how good that felt because it was an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. 
And that led into some opportunities where I really actually got introduced to the work of Tony Robbins at that time. And what I realized was a lot of it had to do with my thinking. A lot of it had to do with the risks I was willing to take. A lot of it had to do with uh, what actions I was willing to take. So I started taking bigger and bigger risks. And I remember going on an interview for a job at a radio station. Um, when I interviewed with the uh, sales manager, she said, well, why should I hire you? You really don't have much of a background. And I said, if you hire me, I can assure you I will be the best salesperson you've ever had. And sure enough, within a few months, I was her top salesperson. And it was because I was so committed to making changes in my life. And that really took me on a journey of being willing to take the risks that I needed to take to put me in a completely different environment. I did get into a corporate environment. I worked for GTE Health Systems for a few years. I was in their marketing communications department. And one thing led to another. And, and here I am uh, many years later. So I'm suspecting that if you go back to those early days at home where there were rules and structure that you kind of rebelled against, that's, those are my words, <laughs> it was, do you think that was an early sign of you were going to do things differently and, and that, that the normal conforming path wasn't for you? Well, I always say there's one black sheep in the family and sometimes <laughs> more, and I think I was definitely the black sheep in the family. But, you know, it's interesting because growing up in my, my early years, I actually was a very... Um, uh, cooperative child. And then it was right around the age of 10 or 12 that I started rebelling a little bit. And it really was when I was introduced to drugs that my whole life changed. It was like, um, you know, they say some people are, we're just destined to, to go on that path. And it, it was really a turning point for me where once I was introduced to really drugs and boys, that was, that was my, my downfall. And um, after that, there was no turning back. Yeah. Well, congratulations on your 32 years. That's well, a thank you. tremendous accomplishment. Thank you. So you're in the corporate world, and then what happens? Well, I, I was in, uh, I was working with GTE, and I remember I wanted to go into the demonstration department. That was where we would actually travel and go to, uh, we were in the uh, healthcare systems. And the demonstration department would go to hospitals and demonstrate the software that we had. And I, I talked to my boss and I said, I'd really like to learn how to do that. Because with the whole thing with Tony Robbins, I really got the bug for wanting to get out and communicate with people and speak and, and get on the platform. And the boss that I had at the time, he said, you will never, ever make it as a speaker. He said, you may as well give that up because I'm not going to support you in that. You're going to stay right where you're at. And uh, so I really didn't get much encouragement to pursue what I wanted to do. And what was interesting is I wasn't the only person he, he was that way to. He was just, uh, that was his nature. And when he left the company, he was invited to leave, actually. When he left, I had a boss that gave me a lot more opportunity. But what I realized was that there was so much, only so much creativity you could have in the corporate environment. And there was a lot of red tape to go through. There was a lot of obstacles. And so I decided uh, back in 1994 that I was going to start my own business. And I wanted to be able to operate on my terms, uh, by my rules. And so I actually left the company after three and a half years 
And it was a mutual leaving. They were doing a layoff and they needed numbers. And I had one of the directors who was a friend of mine and said, we really need to get some numbers. Would you be willing to be laid off? And it's like, well, yes. And I got a severance package. And so I was really given the opportunity uh, through a number of circumstances to start my business with some breathing room. And what I realized looking back is I had very little knowledge about how to run a business. I, I had a dream in my heart, but I didn't have the practical skills. And so the first few years, it was really a, a matter of learning a lot about how do you really run a business. And, and so it was when I was at, the, uh, at GTE, it was a matter of I reached a point where I realized that either I was going to stay in that environment and play by their rules or I was going to take a risk and play by my rules. Yeah. And what was that first business? It was the same one that I have now. Okay. All right. Yeah. It was actually called – my, my corporate name is Turning Point, Inc., and that's the official corporate name. And one of the things I did that was the right thing to do was I incorporated right away. I had somebody that gave me good advice on that, but um, that was 22 years ago. And did you have success right off the bat? Did it take time to build the clientele? How did that go? It took time to build clientele, but I did get one contract with a seminar company that uh, lasted for about three years. And so that gave me the revenue to pursue building my, my client base in a local market. And at the time I was in Salt Lake City. Yeah. And you mentioned obviously at the time you were new to business. If you look back now, what, what advice would have you given yourself as far as running the business goes? The advice that I would give my, myself early on is to get the right mentors, to actually immerse myself in circles of influence with people who are succeeding in business, they know what they're doing, and to let go of pride and admit that I don't know what I don't know. Because I, I think a lot of times what happens in business is we want to look like we know everything, and that really is where the downfall happens. Yeah. So one of the ways you define your approach to consulting is, as you say, quote, a no-nonsense, common-sense approach. So what do you mean by that? What, what, what do you, how do you define that? Well, I, you know, I think a lot of times, Henry, people use excuses as to why they're not immersing themselves 100% into their business. They say they want certain things, but they're not willing to do the work. And when they don't get a result, then they blame outside forces for it. And really what it is, and I, I think I, I learned this more during the time I was caretaking my mother a few years ago before she passed away. For two years, I was one of her primary caretakers. And I continued to grow my business during that time by her hospital bedside. I didn't have time for excuses. I had a mortgage to pay. I had animals to take care of. I had responsibilities. And so looking back on my life many years ago to where I was very irresponsible to now I'm very responsible, my word is the only thing that I really have to hold on to. And if I give somebody my word that I'm going to fulfill an agreement, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to fulfill that agreement. So when I hear people saying, oh, the economy is tough or there's you know so much competition or this, that or the other, whatever it may be. The question that I have for them is, are you doing everything you possibly can to accomplish the outcome you want to achieve? And I, I don't care if it's financially, physically, spiritually, emotionally in your relationships. What are you doing to give 100 percent? And the reality is, is most people don't give 100 percent. 
No, we, we want to blame everybody else and everything else, and we, we don't take responsibility and accountability. But that's what I've found to be a common theme with people who are successful, however you define success. It's part of it is taking that accountability and responsibility for your life. Absolutely. And, you know, another time when I, I really learned uh, what that means is a few years ago, I got involved in the sport of, of racing, uh, road, uh, foot racing. And uh, I did my first marathon at the age of 61. And then I did a second one for my 62nd birthday. And I'm not a very fast runner by any stretch of the imagination, but I also know what it's like to make that commitment to a 26.2 mile uh, race. And you're in the middle of this and you're going, what in the world was I thinking? You know, at about, about mile five, it's like, what, what did I even think I could do this for? And yet every, every doubt will show up in an experience like that. And it may not be a marathon. It could be something else for somebody else. But um, it, it really was, I was able to confront every self-doubt that I had. And I had made a commitment to finish the race. And no matter what, I was going to finish it. And the first race I did, I hold the distinction, and I will forever hold this distinction of being the very last person in, in 2015 for the Eugene Marathon. And, you know, I crawled across the finish line. Literally, I was just limping, and I was like, what was I thinking? Well, what I realized was I didn't train 100%. And, you know, so it really goes back to 100%. Long way from that uh, person who was homeless at one point, huh? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, sometimes I look at it and it's just like night and day. And I, I recently started working on uh, a memoir and my, the period that I'm writing about is the period when I really hit bottom around drugs and alcohol. And I look at that and as I write the stories, it's like, that's a, a completely different person. And yet it's the core of who I am because without those experiences, I wouldn't be who I am today. And I wouldn't have the appreciation for the things I have uh, today, the simple things like waking up and knowing what I did the day before. And, you know, if somebody's not been through it, they really don't get what uh, what that whole experience is about. But people who have been through it or they have family members who have, they understand that. So, Kathleen, I know you help your clients with, as you say, speak, sell and profit. Would you introduce that approach and give us some examples of that in action? Absolutely. One of the best ways to, if you will, showcase what it is you do is to actually get on the platform and get in front of your potential clients, whether it's a group of five people or 500 people. When you can get on the platform and you can train people in a certain area, whatever it may be, you're going to get a lot more leverage than direct mail pieces, than you know, doing social media. All of that supports the end result, but really I have found that the best way to get the quickest result is to learn how to get on the platform, give a good presentation, give great content, and by positioning your expertise that way, you have a lot more opportunity than if you just go one person at a time. And what do you say to the person, which makes up a large portion of the population, that's deathly afraid of getting up in front of an audience? Oh, well, one, one thing I've said to my own clients is get over it. You, you need to get over it because if you truly have something that's going to make a difference in people's lives, it's really about letting your ego go. And oftentimes our ego will either uh, push us into something that really we have no business getting involved with or it'll hold us back. 
And if you believe in what you're doing, if you, if you know that what you have to offer is going to make a difference in the lives of your clients, then it's your responsibility to do whatever you possibly can to get that message out there in the biggest way possible. But what are some of the tips you share with your clients who are afraid to, to help them get over that and manage that? Well, one is to practice, and, and another is to join a Toastmasters group. I, I'm a real firm believer in Toastmasters, and I've seen it work miracles not only in my own life, but in the lives of clients, where the more you do something, the more comfortable you become, and to also look at where did that fear first begin. It could have been because of a teacher. It could have been because of a parent. It could have been because of a spouse, but really digging deep to figure out, okay, what is it that is preventing you from playing full out? And again, practice makes all the difference in the world. And I, I have clients that oftentimes what they find out is they didn't think that they could succeed. And that's why they didn't even want to attempt it. I have one woman who's in her seventies and she's writing a book called rock and roll at any age. And she's an, a just phenomenal, phenomenal woman. Well, she started hosting um, presentations on health and fitness. And the first time she did it, it was like pulling teeth. It was like, come on, you got to do this, this, and this. And she, she followed my, my recipe, if you will, had success. And now she's doing them on a regular basis and she absolutely loves it. And her fear was that she would fail. So it really, oftentimes it's a matter of, we don't think that we're as good as we really are. Yeah, that's great insight. You personally, as you're getting ready to do a big presentation, how do you feel? Grateful. I, I, bottom line is, it's like, I, I just look at it and I think, wow, I have the opportunity to make a difference in these people's lives. And, and oftentimes it, it's really interesting, Henry, because what, what I often will do is use the platform as a way to raise awareness about many different issues. Uh, I'm very immersed in the, uh, the pet industry. And that came as a result of a rescue dog that I have. It was just divine intervention. One thing led to another. And now I speak at conferences within the pet industry. Uh, I keynote, I do breakout sessions, and I'm able to contribute on a whole different level. So really what I would say, it, it, the number one feeling that I have is gratitude. All right. So that's the concept of speak, sell, profit. In other words, putting forth your message, your idea, whatever it is that you're proposing by getting in front of audiences, small and large, or whatever you have access to, whether it's at a chamber of commerce event or wherever it might be. And you're saying that that's a, just a fantastic and effective way to get your message out, right? <laughs> It is, if, if you prepare for it. It's, it's like anything, the, there's a preparation that goes into honoring the fact that you're in front of these people that are giving you their time. So there's the chamber opportunities, there's local associations, there's your own self-staged events where you actually uh, create the environment to do the presentation. There's conferences and conventions. And the more you, you get out and speak, the more you're going to speak. Because again, one, you get better and better all the time. Two, when you're out there, people have the opportunity to hear what you have to say. And if you've hit the mark, they're going to invite you to come back or they're going to tell people about you. So it's really looking at how can I optimize what I'm doing? And I think also if, if it goes bad one time, you you pick yourself up and you do it again. And you, you oh, keep, trust you, me. You yeah. 
<laughs> the longer you do it, you will have opportunities to fall flat on your face. Trust me. I, I remember one situation where uh, I, I was told it was going to be a certain type of audience, and it turns out it was a completely different audience. It was very old money in the Midwest, and people came in in limousines, and, and the women were in furs, and these people were, they had more money than God. And I was supposed to talk about success. And I thought, oh my gosh, and every insecurity and doubt that I had just showed up. It was a terrible experience. Uh, the audience didn't like what I had to say. I completely fell on my face with it. And I, I wanted to quit, but I thought, you know, you can't quit. You've got to learn from it. And so even though I did everything I knew to do pre previous and prior to the, the presentation, I do questionnaires, I talk to meeting planners, somebody gave me the wrong information and I get there and it was like, well, I can't run. I have to show up. I have to just walk through this, the experience. Yeah. All right. So you also teach your clients, as you say, quote, fastest and easiest way to package their information into money-making products and services. So explain what, what that is and how you do that. Well, you know, there's a number of ways that you can package your information. And really, if you want to make money while you sleep, the best way to do it is have information products. And one of the easiest ways to do it is exactly what we're doing right now, where you actually set up an interview, you have a conversation about a specific topic, you record it, and you have an MP3 file. You can take that MP3 file, you can get it transcribed, and now you have transcripts that you can turn into a report. You have something that you can actually monetize. So it's really that simple to monetize your information. And what I find is a lot of people complicate the situation rather than you know just get in there and roll up your sleeves and do the work and make it happen. They process the whole thing and they want everything to be perfect rather than and, okay, I need to get this information to market. And then once you, you have the information, then you put a sales page together, you get your shopping cart set up, you get autoresponder messages. And it's really just having a checklist of here's step one, step two, step three, step four, and the willingness, again, to put your information out there. And by information products, you're talking about anything that has to do with teaching, coaching, training, how to delivered in an IP fashion, in other words, uh, it's yes. recorded in some fashion and repeatedly uh, accessed by clients and customers. Absolutely. I'm working on a, a product right now uh, called the Book Accelerator, and it's all about how to market a book. And it's pre-launch, launch, and post-launch. And what I did, I actually had a client who hired me to consult with her on her book launch. And I said, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to document everything and turn it into a product. And so I have several modules that teach people step-by-step step exactly what they need to do to prepare for a successful book launch. Right. In fact, there, I, I think there's a download on your website that provides some great information on this topic, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we'll have a link on our show notes page to that because I think it's a great document. I've read through it already. Thank you. And, and that'll be at thehowofbusiness.com for our listeners. So, Kathleen, you've worked with a lot of folks, a lot of um, entrepreneurs. What, what do you see as one thing that holds people back from achieving their business dreams? 
You know, the, the first word that came to mind is laziness, quite seriously. It's like people, we've become such an instant gratification society that people want results immediately. And the truth of the matter is sometimes you have to work and you have to work hard for what you want. And so I think oftentimes they aren't willing to put the effort into getting the result. They hear about all these amazing results that people get. And yet when they find out the amount of work that goes into it, it's it, take an author, for example, I just read something online that um, the gentleman that wrote A Thousand and One Ways to Market Your Book, uh, John Kramer, he, very well known within the authorship uh, space. And he said that most authors, their books will not sell more than $100 worth of books, period, end of story. And yeah, I, I was like, you're kidding. That's amazing. Well, the reality is, is most authors spend time writing the book, but they don't do anything to market the book. And when they find out the work that's involved, a lot of times they say, oh, I'll just write another book. And many times people keep themselves so busy with the unnecessary details that they never have time to really be productive. Uh, another thing that holds people back is they try to do everything themselves. They try to wear all the hats in their business. I have a support team that handles a lot of the back end details that in the in early on in my business, I thought I had to figure it all out. Well, I finally smartened up enough to know that there are certain things that I have no business doing. I need to know what needs to be done, but I don't need to know the how. I need to hire somebody to take care of that. So laziness is one, trying to handle it all themselves is another. Yeah, working hard, but working smart. That's right, great, absolutely. Great advice. Absolutely. So I'd like to get a little bit more about what you think your keys to success have been. You mentioned mentors and folks that came into your life early on, and you continue to use that as one of the keys. Um, certainly that, that hard work and that no-nonsense approach, that assuming of responsibility. Is there Are there other things that you think have led to your business success? You know, the number one thing is a connection to a higher power, to God, to source, whatever you want to call that, that great uh, driving force in life. Um, I think for me, that's the number one thing of really looking at the fact that I can't do this all myself, that left to my own devices, I will completely mess it up. So that's the foundation of everything I do. Um, and the mentors, that's huge. I, I've not been without a mentor for many years right now. Matt Basic, uh, who's really well known within the internet marketing space, is my personal mentor. I belong to a mastermind group with him. And when I, when I want to work on projects, he's the person I call. Uh, I've had mentors like Tommy Antion, Suzanne Evans, uh, Brendan Burchard, uh, where I've been in their mastermind groups. And so that's been a big part of my success, the willingness to invest in myself on that level. Um, but more than anything, Henry, the, the thing that really has made a difference, the choices that I make and the people I surround myself with, that's been huge. Yeah, basic but uh, critical. Yes. So tell us a bit more about Power Up for Profits. We just touched on some of the things that you do, but just give us a synopsis of the services you offer your clients. Well, the main services that I offer my clients uh, would be the consulting and the coaching that I do with the private clients and then information products for those people that either they're not in a position to come into my private coaching programs or they just want something that is more um, entry level, if you will. 
in, in gaining the knowledge. So it's primarily I do the consulting on how to position themselves in the market with what their expertise is in a way that they're going to get the greatest result in the fastest time possible. Wonderful. So we'll start to wrap it up here. A couple last questions. And one is about book recommendations. So besides your content and you mentioned Tony Robbins, is, is there a book that you've read recently that you would recommend to our listeners? There is one, and I'm trying to remember that it's uh, David, David Wilcox, I think is his last name. And it's the uh, source field investigations. It's really interesting. It's all about the energy of uh, scientific energy of our thought processes and, and how powerful they are. I'm also reading one by Brian Tracy that um, Change Your Thinking and Change Your Life, I believe is the name of that book. And then I read a lot on health and fitness. Uh, I'm just a fanatic about that. And my, my books that I enjoy have to do with marathoning because that's my personal passion. But um, I, I'm pretty well-rounded in, in the types of books I read. I'll read business books, spiritual books, and health and fitness books. Yeah, that's wonderful. So thanks for those recommendations. And again, we'll have all of those as links on our show notes page at thehowofbusiness.com. Wonderful. As we wrap it up, last uh, parting piece of advice for our listeners who are either planning to make the transition or are small business owners now. Well, Henry, thank you for asking that question. And I would say for those that are planning to make the transition, tap into your local chamber of commerce and find out what resources are available because there's a lot that you can access that will be part of a membership into a chamber that will get you light years ahead of where you will get on your own. Another thing is within your industry, look for the leaders in the industry and find out if they have conferences you can go to, mastermind groups you can join uh, products that you can buy and really be willing to invest in yourself on a level that is going to make a difference. However, give yourself a cooling off period. If you're going to buy something, whatever it is, a product or service, and you have this feeling of urgency, like, oh, this is going to solve every problem that I have. Give yourself a 24 to 48 hour cooling off period. Talk to somebody and really look at what that desperation is about, because there's not any one thing that will solve every problem that you have. Another thing is surround yourself with people who are out there making a difference, people that are succeeding. For those people who are in business, if you find that you're struggling, take a look at what your mindset is, take a look at what your daily activities are and your actions are, and do you have systems and strategies in place that are designed to help you get to the next level, or are you just spinning your wheels and spending all your time on social media playing around rather than getting serious? Great advice. Thank you. And so where can listeners go to find out more about you and your business? Well, thank you. Um, they can go to powerupforprofits.com. That's powerupforprofits.com. That's my website. It's got my uh, social network uh, links on there. It's, uh, there's my blog and there's a lot of, uh, lot of great information. Fantastic. Kathleen, thank you for spending this time with us and sharing this great knowledge. Thank you, Henry. It's been delightful. Our pleasure. So folks, again, everything that uh, Kathleen has referred to, the books, uh, the links uh, to her site, you can find all of that at our show notes page at thehowofbusiness.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of The How of Business. If you're listening to us on iTunes, we would welcome and thank you for subscribing to our show. And we look forward to having you on the next episode of The How of Business. 
Thank you for listening to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez. We hope you found practical ideas to help you start, manage, and grow your business. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave a comment on iTunes and go by LevanteBusinessGroup.com and learn more about Levante's resources to help you with your small business. Until next time, thanks for listening and go live your dream.